Like many of you, we battled depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the one thing that we could rely on to get us through the tough times that we all face. Follow us on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music, interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast with Blake Mosley and James Cox. And now, the When Words Fail Music Speaks interview. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to, to uh, When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. And I'm your handicapped host, James Cox, and I can't talk today for some reason, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, today nice we to have, meet you, James. Good to meet you, too. Um, yeah, uh, today we have a very, very, very special guest with me today, um, Mr. John Bush from Armored Saints. How are you, man? What's happening? Good. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. It's a Monday, so we're like I said, getting the week started. But yeah. uh, you know, I've walked my dog, and uh, you know, now we're on to uh, talking about little Saint and uh, trying to get a doctor uh, appointment for my son who plays hockey but uh, injured his wrist yesterday. Oh so. no! Is he okay though? I mean. Is everything um, okay? I, well, I, we're trying to get him to uh, an orthopedic doctor, so we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it happened out in like an hour away from where he played his game, and it was just really annoying. But that's Aww. the way it is. Sports uh, come with with sports comes injuries, and so, unfortunately, does, sometimes. What? Uh, but, but you've come back faster and better, you know. That's that's uh, that's the approach. That's what yeah. we're that's what we're trying to strive for. Yes, there's so, so um. Oh well, I, I I hope it comes out well, and uh, and I hope everything works out for him in the long run. So yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so where are you located? I'm in L.A. We're okay. uh, Armored Saint. You know, as a a native of uh, the city of Los Angeles, all of us were for the most part born and raised here. Gonzo and Phil actually grew up in um, Mexico City, and they were there for a very brief period of their, their existence on Earth, and then um, and then they moved to L.A., and me and Jeff grew up in L.A., and, you know, for the most part, I believe that we're natives here in Los Angeles, and, uh, you know, I'm t- J- uh, Gonzo, myself, and Joey, and Phil, we've gone on basically 50 years of a friendship, so we've known each other for a very long time, and... Yeah. And we're we're still making music together. It's a, it's pretty awesome. Half a century. Uh, half a century. Oh my god, yeah. Because I was born in the '80s, so I I think the '80s has like the, the like the best music ever made. You agree? Well, yeah. There was some great. Obviously, there's some great aspects of the '80s musically. You know, that's when Armored Saint began. Right. Um, a lot of metal bands, of course, began in the you know in the '80s and. Uh, other music as well, some some cool pop music. There was some pretty sappy stuff that came out of the eighties too. <laughs> right. Pretty bad, some pretty bad hairdos and image for some people, including myself. But oh. <laughs> uh, you look back, you look back fondly. Hey man, that was, I mean the eighties were like were like built around uh, like like hairstyles and all this like get up and everything and and uh, you know there there's bands like that like didn't want to do that do that like a like old Metallica, you know. Just wanted to rule the world, you know, so they didn't care about all the, all the 
all the hair, makeup, and everything. They just kicked ass, you know. Yeah, yeah, they did, and then and they they stripped it down to just jeans and t-shirts, and so it was, you know, you had these kind of two two groups, you know, you had the the image based bands with the hair and you know the kind of the glammy look, and then you had the thrash metal bands that were just basic t-shirts and long hair and um and 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 stripped down look but uh powerful music and and then you had saint trying to figure out our way in there somewhere along the lines but uh we had some hair but we had some image and eventually we wanted to shed the image a little bit because it became a pain in the ass but um yeah you know i look back on the 80s fondly people have mullets now i got no hair (laughs) Uh, that's probably the best hairstyle to have you know well, it's, you know, it's easy. It's, you know, it's yeah. pretty simple. Yeah, you don't have to worry about, you know, all, all, all the uh, products, you know, you put, you put in here. <laughs> damage That's in true. Here. So, um, That's true. So when I was looking you up, I, I looked on the um, all-knowing Wikipedia, and you know how true that is. So I want, to, I want, <laughs> I want you to um, do uh, either fact or fiction for me, sir. Um, so, I, so I was looking at your Wikipedia page, and it said that you were ba- you were part of a band called Stone Soldier. Is that true? Um, well, that's funny that that's on there. Um, I was not in the band Stone Soldier, but I did a couple songs with them. They were friends of mine. Okay. They were from the San Fernando Valley, and uh, and a couple of the guys were were buddies of ours. And um, so they were. I think there was a period of time where they were kind of in between singers so they needed help to make a demo and i did a couple songs for them um and they also did support armored saint on on some shows throughout town and um like i said they were buddies but i was never in the band okay um, i don't know it's so funny that's on there so that's Um, so that's partly true though it's 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 not true in the sense that i was in the band but 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 there is an association yes I, i got you i got you and uh, there's one more thing that I found on here that's, that's very interesting to me. It says uh, uh, 2000, 2005 to 2019 side projects. It says that you have done commercial voiceovers for the fast food chain Burger King. There was a period of time where I was the, the tag voice for Burger King. Oh, nice. Around, around, you know, say, started, I feel like, around like 6, 06, and went to about 010. Well, 10. Yeah. And, um, and I did a lot of spots, tons of radio commercials, uh, a bunch of TV commercials as well, where I was just a, the tag voice, you know, like, get it at Burger King, you know. Oh, yeah, okay. Two for one, whatever it was, you know, the various different things I did. And uh, it was a great job. It was awesome. And it was sad when it ended because uh, yeah. it was very lucrative. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did uh, I, I guess you got some free burgers from that? Or like, did you just? Um, like you know, I don't know if I ever ate any more Burger King because um, uh, of it, uh, to be honest. But um, but I I did do a lot of spots with the King, and it was there was some okay. cool campaigns. There were some pretty funny ones uh, that I did. I thought they were very creative. And then for a while, while well, I basically was let go, and then and then a whole company took over, and then they they, they eliminated the King, which was a pretty bad idea. And for a long yeah. period of time, they didn't have the king in their spots, and now they brought him back. Brought him and back yeah. That was pretty smart because he was kind of like an icon associated with the company. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I still back, but they didn't. <laughs> I still love Burger King burgers, man. I think they're bigger than McDonald's burgers. So, like, two well, know, yeah. they make them over the fire, and they're not fried. So that was the that yeah. was the that was the a big deal. Yeah. So um, so at 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 what age did you uh? Do you remember him hearing music for the first time? Like, like, is there some kind of old, uh, like, memory of you know? 
Yeah, I, I think I was about four or five years old, um, probably exposed to like the Beatles or some of my parents' records were like Dean Martin and Engelbert Humperdinck and uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, which are, I, all those artists are still great to yeah. this day. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it was probably that young when I had two older brothers, so they exposed me to some music. And uh, then eventually I looked, discovered Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. I was probably listening to that when I was like eight or nine years old. And um, luckily enough, I, I had a lot of influence with music when I was a kid. And um, I, I've always had this kind of broad view of music and, and love all kinds of different music from jazz to classical to metal to soul to you know you name it pop yeah. I love all kinds of music and I think that's kind of helped me as a writer and just keeps me kind of having like I said a broad perspective of, of what I can do musically how I want to sing the things I want to try to accomplish and yeah. um, said you know I, I don't want to be somebody who just listens to one kind of music I, I think that's actually pretty detrimental so Right, so it's sad to me, like, you grew up with music all, all your life, ever since from, like, birth, right? Yeah, like I said, real young, was, I remember listening to, my parents had this really big record player, it's amazing how it was huge, they had the couple speakers built in, it was this wooden thing, I'd say it was probably about four feet wide, I mean, long, which maybe, you know, three feet wide, and two feet tall. It was a big record player inside of it. You know, it was the record player and had the speakers and um, it was cool. It was right. a, like a, a piece of the furniture in the front room. And I would listen to records on that and it sounded great. Well, it sounded great at the time. Probably sounded like crap actually, but it sounded great at the time. And, um, and that's how I kind of discovered playing albums. And to this day, I still love playing LPs. Right. Right. Um, so uh, when you mentioned Black Sabbath, um, question just popped in my head. Uh, there's an ongoing, uh, I guess, war between um, who was the first creators of heavy metal, Black Sabbath or Deep Purple? Which, huh. which one do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, I always think of Black Sabbath and yeah. Zeppelin, to be honest. Okay. As the top, as top is a hard rock metal chain. Right. Or, or three. I say the, the family tree kind of starts with those two artists. I mean, Purple certainly was in there. Purple um, was great deal. You know, I guess, you know, Hush, I don't know what year Hush came out, but that was pretty early on, maybe early 60s. I mean, late 60s, excuse me. So it's hard to say for sure. Um, but, you know, they were all contributing uh, contributing to uh, yeah. to making great music back then. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, in, so in high school, um, we're going to move forward here. So in high school, uh, were you in any place that of any of the singing nature? Like, that, did you go to like place where you had to sing or like where you're in like a band or me personally yes um well i started off um performing music when i was in junior high school um the first band i played in was was a group that where we where we well actually it was yeah it was it was junior high school where we played um couple tunes the band I would created with with a few other guys and we we played a rock and roll by Led Zeppelin and we played Foreigner by uh I mean uh, feels like the first time by Foreigner oh, which yeah. is kind of usual choice but great song <laughs> amazing singer Lou Graham yeah and then when I got to high school a new band kind of developed uh which was kind of the early stages of Armored Saint actually it was me Gonzo Phil and Joey and we we had a band called Royal Decree and we played cover tunes and we we started to try to write our own tunes and that was in high school. And, 
and um, played some backyard parties. And then that eventually led to what became Armored Saint, which was, uh, you know, me and Joey Gonzo Phil, and then Dave Pritchard eventually was, was uh, a big part of the band. And um, he was a guitar player. And, and then that's when we started kind of writing our own songs. And so there was different kind of levels to it. But I'd say in junior high is when I really decided that this is something I wanted to do. Um, I didn't really know to what capacity. I just knew that it was fun to be on stage and play and have people respond. Yeah. I'm sure that's probably about 14 when that happened. Okay, 14. That that's a good age because at that age you're really, really getting your, you know, what, what you want to be, you know, when when you grow up, you know. So. Yeah, I probably sang like crap. Uh, you know, I, probably, <laughs> I was probably going through hormone development right. and changes, <laughs> so it was probably a lot of cracking. Cracking. Um, yep. I wish I had a recording of that. I I don't I have a lot of photos from that particular show, right. but I don't have an actual audio recording, which would have been on a cassette and. Um, I, I don't, I, I, maybe somebody does, but I don't. Right. Yeah. I like to hear it though. There we go. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to the, to, into the 2000s now. Um, so when new metal hit, when new metal hit the scene, you know, bands like Corn and, uh, and, uh, all those, uh, Limbiscuit and, and bands like that. Right. Uh, when, when that genre came out, uh, what, what did you initially think of it? Did you think, oh, like, we got to get into this, this mentality or did you want to, or like, it doesn't phase us, you know, we'll keep going with Armored Saint stuff. Well, you know, remember in the 90s, I actually joined Anthrax and then during that time was the whole grunge movement that was right. taking place. Um, so, um, I think that what happens is that you listen to these groups, uh, and, you know, you are aware of them, um, you try to find some inspiration from them because, like you said, Corn, Deftones, Raging at the Machine were amazing bands yeah. and are, still are still amazing bands. Same with the bands that, you know, happened in the 90s and bands like Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and, of course, Nirvana, um, Faith No More. These are, again, incredible bands that, that you want to listen to and you want to get inspiration from. You don't necessarily want to say, what are they doing? Let me change my whole identity and my whole... Uh, origin of what we are and just kind of go into that mode but you can get inspiration from these bands um and and just find something that that motivates you so i think that's something that is just a positive um i don't think it would be healthy for like i said a group especially a group that started in the 80s to all of a sudden change their whole identity to try to fit in with bands that came 20 years after them or 10 years later um i i think that would just be uh, a major um identity crisis right there but um but like i said you can certainly be inspired by it and motivated by it and somehow some way it could trickle into influencing you a little bit and it keeps you updated it keeps you modern it keeps you current and it, and it keeps you motivated uh, i think it's it's unhealthy for somebody to say oh i only like bands from the 80s i only like bands from, yeah. from when we started that's just i, I would never think that way oh. just, just, i like bands from the 50s right. and the 60s and that was way before me so um and i you know i try to buy records and artists that i think who just came out last year who i like you know if it's something i dig i don't really care what era it's from, what what type of music, what genre. Um, if I dig it, I dig it. I want to get uh, fired up from it. Right. Um, like I said, somehow, some way, it might kind of seep into your, your mindset a little bit when you're creating, but only as an influential way and not as a way to say, I'm changing my style to do this. That would be, I think, a, a bad, a big mistake. Yeah. 
Um, it, 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 it's funny you you mentioned uh, you know because like, cause I had the same model with uh you know dig what you dig you know because um back in my high, back in my high school days um I I I listened to and talked about nothing but Metallica forever in the day and my mom got so mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but stop playing Creeping Death. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, or 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 even my favorite my favorite song ever is Four Horsemen. You know. Yeah, four horsemen's awesome. That's a great song, but um, but yeah, um, ever since I grew up from my teenage years, I listened to everything, and I, you know, and I don't, I don't dislike anything, and and you're right, you don't dig what you dig, you know, who cares if people are gonna, you know, laugh at you or for liking one band or who cares, you know. Yeah, well, I think when you're growing up and you're in, like, high school and stuff, you want to fit into peer groups. I think that's a normal thing for kids to want to do. And you connect with a certain group, and that certain group kind of likes a certain kind of music. Maybe it's punk rock. Maybe it's hip-hop now. Maybe it's metal. So you kind of want to connect. Um, and I understand that. It's a very normal thing. Right. But, again, when it comes to being a musician, I think it, you, you, you only gain from listening to lots of music. Um, you know, because why not? There's a g- lot of great music out there. To me, it would be limited to say, I only like this sport, and that's all I'll ever watch. Or it's, I only like eating hamburgers, and that's it. I don't like any other kind of food. What? You know, there's amazing food from Indian to Mexican to Italian to, you know, Ethiopian. You know, why would you only want to eat this? So to me, again, the whole world is there to consume, to enjoy. Pardon me. I, I oh, that's right. Yeah, but, um, you know, anything that you can actually benefit from that would, that would just, again, inspire you, influence you, um, motivate you, you know, whatever, whatever it is, uh, you know, whether it's art or whether it's, um, whether it's traveling, you name it, everything is there to just enhance you as a human being. And I think that that's something you should always embrace. Yeah, man, you can't. Couldn't say that more perfectly because I think that that's that's true today as as it was back then. Um, I, I, there's one question I have for you, and 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 it it, it doesn't shock me, but it's like it, it's like a more like a like a like a um, like how did you do it? You know. So um, I want to ask you about your voice. You have kept your voice in pristine shape throughout the years, and I and I hear and see most bands in the '80s um, and even before then. The singers have lost their voice, like Doug Gray from um, a Marshall Tucker Band or, or Mark Slaughter from Slaughter, you know? Uh, so what has been your secret to keeping your voice still alive and well to this day? Because, I mean, you, you still sound like you haven't lost it at all. Um, well, I've been pretty lucky when it comes to that, um, uh, as far as trying to keep my voice in shape, trying to keep it staying healthy and, and powerful. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's something I, I strive to try to do, and um, uh, you know, I want to be the best singer I can, and and try to just you know, like I said, push myself as a vocalist, and um, and and take care of myself. I haven't always done that the best I could, believe it or not. There's been plenty of times where it's like, oh, I, I've treated my voice rather poorly through the years, but luckily I'm still you know able to belt it out uh, for the most part, and uh, you know I love singing and. Um, I love to to bring out the best in my style. That's the most important thing to me. Um, it's it's not necessarily about having the biggest range. Uh, I can sing four different octaves. I don't care about any of that. It's more about when you hear it 
it sounds like John Bush. That to me is the most important thing. That's uh, anything else is is rather secondary to me. It's just more about hearing the style, hearing the uniqueness, um, and, and capitalizing that as a singer. That's what I want to do the best I can. Um, like I said, everything else in terms of you know, like having this wide, crazy octave range, um, you know, being a classically trained singer, you know, I'm not that man. I'm like a bluesy hard rock singer. And I just try to motivate being the best guy in that style I can. And uh, luckily, you know, knock on wood, my voice has held up. I've had some moments. I've had some, some certainly some dire times where my, I blew my voice out or, you know, maybe you get sick on the road and you kind of lose it a little bit. And trust me, nothing hurts more than, and than going through that. It's like, it's like having an injury and, you know, as an athlete and you literally can't run or you, you know, you have a pulled muscle or something and you just can't run. And it's a, it's a drag. It's real frustrating to, to have to go through that. It's, it's probably one of the worst things I've ever encountered as a musician, but you just kind of hang in there, push through and, 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 and get to the next step. And, and that's, you know, that's what I try to do. And, you know, I luckily here I am, I started singing really, I'd say really professionally and, and, and really taking it seriously, probably around the age of 19 and here I am 58. So that's uh, almost 40 years and uh, still belting it out. I think maybe sounding better than ever. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. Well, I, I, well, I think you still have one, one, one of the greatest, greatest voices in metal history, man. Oh, well, that's very nice of you, brother. Appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so on, uh, on, uh, on, in the year 2011, um, you, you uh, did a show in San Francisco um, with the Soul Rebel Brass Band and Metallica. Um, and you were you were asked on stage to sing the Four Horsemen with Metallica. Right. Yeah. I I never knew this. I'm a, I'm a big huge Metallica fan, and I never knew this until I heard this. But uh, but James said that he was um when they were they were performing, he thought about you as their singer. Um, did you did did you know that before? I mean, or like was it like a oh my god, you know, kind of moment. Yeah, well, the story goes is that Metallica was still thinking about getting another singer other than James. Um, at that time, uh, maybe he wasn't completely sure he wanted to be the vocalist. Right. Um, of course, now we're all happy that he remained the singer of Metallica. Oh. There could have been anybody else doing it other than him right. and singing the songs. However, they were interested in me. Armored Saint was kind of coming up the ranks. Um, the thing is, what I always explain to people is that we were doing well. Our band was starting to uh, develop and, and get a lot of notoriety in the Los Angeles and international scene, and we were happy about it. You know, we were very close to one another. Even then, we were guys who grew up together, and we were stoked about our band doing well. So, as flattered as I was to be asked to to join Metallica, I was happy in my band. So, um, right. I just think it was never meant to be for me to be the singer. However, the cool thing is, I'm the third. Anniversary shows, they brought in Armored Saint to actually open that gig, and then we, and then of course they brought me in to sing um, on the Four Horsemen to say, "Wow, this is what if, what if, if what if?" You know, and it was cool. It was an amazing moment. It was a super fun night. It was a special time in my life, and get up there and play with those guys and do that song. And you know, it's been documented because it's out on uh, on DVD and, and you know YouTube, and people can watch it. And it sounded great. It was fun, and I had a, I had a blast. Awesome, awesome, and it, and it was awesome for me because it's like, oh, you know, I mean, because I've always wondered, um, you know, whether what Metallica would sound with the with another guy, and you and you knocked that out of the park, I think. 
I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, but like I said, it was it was it was not my fate, if you will. You know, it's not my destiny to be the singer of Metallica, and and there, you know that's a lot of pressure because Metallica is arguably the the biggest metal band in the world. So I can't imagine, like I said, anyone's voice being there other than James. And and what a great singer he became, and he sort of developed and evolved, and and you know, super commanding and just awesome. He's he's really made incredible strides as a vocalist. Well, uh, since, since you mentioned uh, like a what if scenario, um, so we're gonna play what if, right? Okay, so what if, right? Uh, Cliff Burton never died, and uh, Dave never left the band as a lead guitarist, and you know Dave Mustaine, and they had you as the lead singer. Do you think we ah. would have got the, uh, you know, the same songs and the same albums? Would it take a totally different route? Do you think? Wow, it's like a what That's if scenario. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective. I've never heard anyone put it like that. Um, nice. Yeah, I know you came up with a, a, a very uh, interesting question there. Yeah, you know, I mean, Dave Mustaine certainly wrote a lot of early early Metallica songs, even ones that were on Ride the Lightning. Um, so he was a big part of the songwriting, certainly. Um, I think Dave Mustaine was meant to be a front man, though. And so as much as for a while he was... He was angry about what happened with Metallica. I'm assuming he got over that. Right. Uh, I hope he did. You know, um, right, right. the reality is that with Metallica, he wasn't ever going to be the front man. He would have been the lead guitar player, as Kirk was, and it was always still going to be James. So, and I think Dave was destined to be a front man. So, really, he, he benefited from his departure of Metallica. He, he he certainly milked that that rivalry for a long time that I think helped Megadeth. And in the end, I think that, um, you know, like I said, he was meant to be the singer of the band and, and then that's the way he was, that was his fate, if you will. Um, Cliff, that was just a tragedy and there's no other way to yeah, put that. Yeah, that's, it, was, yeah. it was just a tragedy. And, and um, he was a certain, uh, certainly a huge aspect of Metallica. We toured with Metallica and on the Ride, Ride the Lightning tour and oh, nice. we Cliff a lot and he was a great guy and a mm-hmm. very unique bass player. And, uh, added a lot to the band and his 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 persona was certainly missed but you know jason came in and he did a, an incredible job and was part of those huge records and and was a great bass player and a, a big aspect of their live performance and now robert's in there you know contributing kicking butt, yeah kicking ass. So, you know what are you gonna do you know you have to pick up and and, and go on and that's what that's what they did after cliff i think cliff was a once in a lifetime basis and human being because i don't think anybody can touch him now you know um, yeah he, he was like he was kind of like this hippie you know that's right. what his whole yeah. trip was <laughs> bottom pants and you yeah. know throwing his hair around and um you know playing rickenbacker it seemed like and you know he just he had his kind of his his he was he was like a throwback even then he was like a guy from the 70s um so um you know again big big personality and, and certainly was missed when he passed on. But, you know, they, they picked up, they got Jason, um, and and Jason did a, an incredible job with him as well. Yeah, he killed it for yeah. him, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Even now, you know, Robert's killing it with him, too. Um, yeah, Boy, it's hard to fill those shoes. You it know, is. it's hard to fill those, those, those big personality shoes, just like it was hard for Brian Johnson to fill Bon Scott's shoes. And it was hard for me to fill Joey Belladonna's shoes. So, you know, he is... These big uh, rock and roll icons, and you know, it's a, although Joey did, isn't dead, you know, I know right. Cliff and Bon Scott are, but same thing for Sammy Hagar when he had to replace David Lee Roth. You know, it's hard to come in and and take over for for these for these people who have contributed so much to those groups. But life goes on a lot of the time, 
Um, and, you know, you, you can't replace Eddie Van Halen. I, I'm, I'm, no. I'm sure yeah. it won't happen. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen Pantera attempt to try to replace not only Dying, but Vinny. And I, I don't think they'll do that. And I, I hope they don't. Some people have just got to let it go, you know, yeah. and, um, and, and just, you know, same with Zeppelin. And, you know, when Bonham died, they call it a day. And I think that's the important thing to do. Now the Stones have to replace Charlie Watts. And I guess yeah. they're doing that. I have mixed emotions about that. But, hey, we'll see what happens. I don't think you can ever, like like make a new Pantera ever again because I mean two of the two of the most um, prolific human beings in the world, Dimebag and uh, and Vinny, are are not here. So I don't think you can actually do that. Really, I don't know. That's kind of a, like a you know yeah yeah. So uh, so when somebody came up to you and said, "Hey John, um, you know I'm thinking about starting in the music business, starting the band. You know, uh, what what would you uh, tell someone?" Who wants to? Who wanted to start in the music business? Would you? Um, well, I would certainly encourage anybody who wanted to to, to start in a band and get in a group and um, who love music. I think that's uh, everybody should follow that uh, dream if they have it, and that's uh, that's great. You know, we, I love music. I always will, and it's a big part of my life. And um, you know, I think that anybody who finds that same kind of passion, they should follow it for sure. Yeah. Um, so. Um, you know, it's not an easy road. I'll tell you that much right now. Have fun, uh, you know, taking that journey. But uh, nevertheless, it's it's still one that a lot of people make. And um, and I think that uh, is, is something that uh, brings, you know, let's face it, music brings a lot of joy to people. And yes. um, yeah. I think that's, that's all you can ask for as a musician. You know, I, I always tell people, you can't really determine the success that you're going to have. You know, Armand saying, oh, here we are years later. And We've had ups and downs in our career, but uh, at the end of the day, I feel like we've made some really amazing music and I'm really proud of. And, you know, I think that that's the thing that you just follow is just follow your heart with what you, you know, what you love and what you listen to. And, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Cause um, it, it, you're right. Cause it is like, like a very hard road to go down. Um, Cause I was talking to Shim Moore of um, who sang for Sick Puppies and he said he doesn't, he doesn't recommend anybody going to the you know music <laughs> business. I'm like, what? Yeah, so I guess he had a bit, like a very very bad experience, you know. So well, I, you know, I mean, there's plenty of play, people that probably feel that way. I would hope that you know you don't want to be too bitter about it because you know then then you'll just look back negatively on it. And even a band like Skinny Puppy, you know, had a lot of fame. So um, yeah, I don't I don't want to be negative about it. I mean, there's believe me, there's things that would piss me off and frustrated me to no end. But in the end, I still want to look back on my career fondly because otherwise, I mean, I don't want to look back on anything negatively, let alone the music business, nothing. I think that's just, why would I want to do that? I want to be happy. I want to, when it, when the day comes and the casket is closed, the right. dirt is poured <laughs> over, I want to say it was a good run. You know, I don't want to be yeah, that sucked. You know, so, well, uh, and if you have to, and if, if for some reason something in your life is, is sucking, you got to turn, you got to, you got to fix it. You got to yeah. do something. You only got one. I mean, look, I, maybe you believe in reincarnation. I don't know. And the afterlife, hey, hopefully, you know, right. but uh, at the end of the day, you don't know. So you want to make this life count. So you do everything in your power to fix that. And if something's not going the right way, fix it, change it, do something. But you want to have a good life. That's the bottom line. Exactly, exactly. I, you said it perfectly, man. Um, Thank you, brother. So, uh, so your band works with a site called uh, Iron Grip Records at .bandcamp.com. That sells a 
t-shirt and a cassette of a uh, symbol of salvation. Um, and uh, these are coming back more than ever. You know, it's the basic cassette tape, right? The, I love these, <laughs> right? So uh, what do you think about the, the, the resurgence and rebirth of cassettes and vinyl records? Because I love vinyl records, man. Yeah, I got a lot it's of them. Funny. I mean, LPs I always love. I love the, you know, the gatefolds and just the big product. And I love to me putting out an album and putting it on. Sounds amazing. Um, it's just a warm feeling, and I love the artwork, nice and big. Cassettes, well, I used to have <laughs> lots of cassettes. I'm surprised that maybe they're having a slight resurgence. Yeah. As a matter of fact, my daughter, who's 16 years old, her, one of her good friends went to a show the other day, and she showed me the cassette she got, and I was cracking up. I was like, wow, right, <laughs> Oh, cool. man, yeah. Uh, I don't think they sound that great, quite frankly. They would always get chewed up in this yeah. player, and the tape would get jacked up, and um, – but hey, you know what? Product is cool. Like, I, I think there's something to be said, of course, for MP3s or downloads. But I, I don't, I don't ever feel connected. If I have a, you know, an LP, I mean, a CD or an album. Here, check this out. Hold on a minute. Hold on a second. Okay. I just went and got a bunch of records. See, oh, nice. look at all these records I got, you know, Montrose, Parliament, Sonny and Cher. Can you see all that? See yep. all these? This yep, is just, right. a, just a handful of the ones yeah. I've gotten recently. So I love LPs. Yeah. LPs are always going to be special to me. Um, so however you get music, whatever that is, whatever method, I think, of course, you know, as long as you're just getting music, that's the most important thing. But, right. you know, personally, for me, I mean, come on. Dark Side of the Moon. That's, that's you can never yeah. beat that on an album. Look at that. Come on. That's <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, whatever. Um, like I said, I, I'm always going to be partial to vinyl. But but as long as you're getting music, that's the most important thing. Music is really important. I think everybody should love music, no matter what style it is. And as long as you're getting it, you know, that's the most important thing. Yeah. So buy a record. You know, go out into a record store and actually throw down, you know, 12, 15 bucks for a record. You know, you're, people pay for bottled water for Christ's right. sake. Yeah. You know, have no problem going in and going, I'll have a, you know, Frappuccino, Mochaccino, whatever. And it's five bucks for coffee. Yeah. What do you, you drink it. And then an hour later, you're going to take a poop and you're done. Right. right. But this is, this is something that can last a lifetime. Yeah. And it's, Fire you. Yeah. That cup of coffee. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love coffee. Yeah. But you know, it's what's gonna, that going to do for you? It's probably you know, going to wake so, up for like an hour and a half, and then you're done. You know, an album right, left. Right. Like I said, people pay four dollars for a bottle of water. <laughs> water. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, music is something that can inspire you and motivate you and give you memories for a lifetime. So, yeah. you know, for some reason, there was a period of time where people thought all oh, music should be free. Why? Why should it be free? Yeah. Why? I mean, people have to make it. It costs money to make a record. It's not like you're going into a recording studio and getting a freebie. So you have to pay for it. So why why shouldn't people buy it? I, I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't go into, you know, the Audi dealer and go, oh, I like that car. I'll take it for free. No, you have to buy it. <laughs> so, I mean, why... Why do people think that they shouldn't have to pay for music? I don't get it. It that makes no sense to me. Yeah. Art, help the artist out. Contribute to the artist. You know, yeah. buying records, it's a good thing. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, I love the fact that you that, that you have the Pink Floyd Dark Sun the Moon. You know, that's <laughs> a great album. And um, 
and and we recently interviewed Scott Page from from Pink Floyd, and he's just the sweetest guy ever. Um, oh, that's great. Well, I know Roger Waters and David Gilmour are still having beef. Yeah, which is yeah. All these years later, yeah. get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we need another Pink Floyd record. You know. Yeah. Well, no more Richard Wright, which sucks because he's gone. But you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. They got to bury the hatchet there. I heard some interview where he was complaining about the cash register and money. And he was saying, it was my idea. It was my idea. I'm like, really, dude? Does it matter all these years later? Come on. It doesn't matter anymore. You know what I Yeah. Yeah. Um, So with with the symbol of Salvation Live coming out on October 22nd of this year, a couple weeks, right? It's like two weeks or something. That's correct. Um, So this album is from the classic album under the same name. Symbol of Salvation came out in 91. Uh, so this being the first band live album to be released, uh, what was it about Symbol of Salvation that made you want to do a live album of it? Well, it's not our first live album. Let me okay. correct you. Okay. Saints Will Conquer was a live record that we had that came out in 1989. And as a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, we had another live record called Carpe Noctum that also came out. So this is our first Fooling DVD slash live record. And what it is, what's special about it, it's the whole album in its entirety. Because we did a tour in 18 where we went out and we just, we played the whole Symbol of Salvation album from front to back, as a lot of people are doing these days, which is really cool. Um, We did that as a tour and then we filmed it and then we recorded it. So that's this show from New York City. A couple other bits and pieces from other gigs. Primarily, it's all from the Gramercy Theater in New York. And it's a great thing. It's a, it, it was a, it was a fun tour to do. We had a lot of fun playing that record every night. It's a very, very uh, broad sounding album and lots of different nooks and crannies throughout. It's got rock and tunes like Rain of Fire and uh, War Zone. And then it has yeah. more eclectic songs like Tainted Past and Last Train Home. And it's just a great album and playing it every night was a lot of fun. And it demonstrated to us how good the record really is again. And so uh, this DVD and live record is really cool. Lots of funny banter, me talking about the origins of some of the songs and my stab at trying to be humorous. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes not. But <laughs> all in all, it's it's a great album and we're really proud of it. And it's uh, just another part of the, the Armored Saint discography. Right, yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's awesome that you, you know, because I'm like, feel free to correct me with, with anything so you know, so I do apologize. I'm getting that. Um, that's okay. You know, so, no worries. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, so we do have three more questions for you, and then we'll let you we'll let you go. Um, so last week I, I I went on Instagram and I said, uh, anybody who has questions for you, please leave them below. And we got two of them from Chantel Ogden. Now she is a country singer, so so if you like country, you you need to check her out. Um, okay, great. I love country. Good, yes, the country is awesome, so yeah, I love it too. Um, that's probably my first uh, favorite genre next to metal, you know. Okay, cool. Like, I just love country to death, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, she has two questions for you. Um, one is, um, what do you wish you you have known about the music business before you got into it? Which is, a you know, a very, very good question, I think. What it, uh, can you repeat that one more time? Just I want to make sure I hear what you're saying here. Sure. What do you wish you would have known about the music business before you got into it? Well, you know, I like I told you earlier, I was talking about the the things about the music business. I don't want to be somebody who's bitter about the music business um, because it, there is some there is some things that are pretty tough about it. Um, you learn a lot. You, you you find out the you know 
it's not always an easy road, like I said to you. Um, you know, you discover lots of things about your own self and uh, about, um, you know, the, the success that you will have in the business. Um, you know, what, what band, what the band that you're in is, can contribute and what your legacy is going to be. All those things are really, really important. But I think most important is that you just want to make music that, again, connects with people at some way, some capacity. I think that's the most important thing that's always been uh, vital to me and, and and the, the artists and the musicians I played with, whether it was the guys insane or the anthrax or other people, it's just that you're you're making something that is affecting people on a positive level. And I think that's all I've ever wanted to do. Um, you know, there's aspects of the business that can be real frustrating, um, but you know, you just you just carry on because why not? You know, it's music, and I think that, that is a it's an important part of people's lives. So that's that's the way I see it. Yeah, um, when this podcast um, revolves around music and how it helps, like depression and anxiety, you know, I have depression, my co-host has depression, and we look towards music to to help us through anything, you know, because music, like you said before, music's always there, you know. Yeah, I mean, music's been my therapy for sure. I mean, it's brought in various emotions in my life, whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's joy, um, whatever it is, angst, uh, you know, or energy or you name it, it runs the gamut. And and it's brought a lot of joy to my life uh, through the years, more than religion. Uh, you know, more than a lot of things. So it's, it's been my therapy. It's been my personal physical, uh, mental therapist through the years, sometimes physical therapist yeah. as well. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's why I'm so connected to it because, because it's always been there. If I'm sad, I'll put on a melancholy slow song and, yeah. and get sadder. Or, but it taps into your emotions. Right. And I think that's the key. Or you, 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 if you're sad, maybe you put it on and it makes you happy and it changes your emotions. So, it, like I said, it runs a gamut of, of what it can do for you. Um, it's, it's, it's been the best therapist I could ever ask for. I totally agree with you, man. I'm right there with you. you know? um, okay, so the second last question she asked for you is, um, what has been important to you? What has been important to you in your career? Um, well, I think just having longevity. I think that's the most important thing in my career that I, 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 I'm the happiest with, uh, to be able to be doing this as long as I have. I think that we always had that ambition when we started on Arm and Saying, we were all like 17, 18 years old. And we're like, we're going to be as big as the who and the stones. And, you know, and then you realize, well, maybe we're not, but, uh, but we're going to, but we're going to hopefully be around as long as them. And right. then you say yeah. the stones are still playing. And so are the who it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. And that was then, um, you know, somebody said something recently to me that the, the, the who did their uh, farewell concert tour in 82 and they're still touring, yeah. which is insane. So um, yeah, I think that was, as you can never really guarantee the success that you're going to have. Because it's just a crapshoot, you know, it's a roll of the dice. Um, there's so many different factors involved in, in making a record uh, uh, successful on a financial level. Um, so you just can't guarantee that. It's just impossible. But what you can do is guarantee the quality of what you do. And you can try to strive for having a long career. So even though I haven't had the most successful career financially, I've had a long career with making a lots of, a lot of music through the years. And for that, I'm probably the most proud of. Nice, nice. Um, so our very last question for you today is, um, okay, so like I said before, this podcast is called When Word Show Music Speaks, right? 
and nice. I and I don't think that that, that that that's true to you know that's true to everybody you know. So is there one song that you can think of right now off at the top of your head that you can listen to, but you can't tell you know your wife or your children or me how it makes you feel inside? It's something so deep in you. Oh wow! Uh, well, you know, I think there's probably certain songs through through the years that have tapped into a, a emotion of mine. Maybe it connects with a particular time in my life. Um, you know, uh, for instance, I'll just off the top of my head say a song like "Another Day," which is on the Symbol Salvation record. Um, that was written by Dave Pritchard and myself. Dave lost his life to leukemia back in nineteen. 19- 90. Um, he was, you know, the key guitar player in Armored Saint through the years of the 80s. And um, we uh, sorely miss him still to this day. Every day we'll miss Dave. We'll think about him. But he made a, he brought a lot of joy to our lives. He was an incredible writer. I'm so proud to be able to share his songwriting duties with him through the years. And when I think of a song like that, I'm super proud of it and, and know that we wrote that song trying to just strive for another day because Dave was sick. He had leukemia. We didn't know if he was going to go on. We didn't know if the band was going to go on. There was a lot of uh, uncertainties in our life at that time, but we wrote this song and it's a real epic type tune. And to this day, if I hear it, it probably taps into uh, a certain part of my soul that I think is uh, something I'm extremely proud of. Well, for our, for our, all of our listeners, um, you can find Armored Saint at armoredsaint.com on Facebook, Instagram, uh, you name the place, it's, it's there. Uh, I, I know you don't have a, uh, you personally don't have an Instagram page, do you? I don't, actually. Yeah. I have no social media, personally. Um, that's a decision I made to kind of step away from it. Right. Um, I'll happily do any interviews, like I'm doing with you. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I feel like through the years, I'm, I've been pretty nice to uh, the, the fan base that I have. Um, you know, for the most part, every now and then I can be a jerk. Who is it? Right? Right, but not, right. And overall, my reputation is pretty good and I'm a nice guy and, and I'm happy about that. But I just don't want to, you know, I it's a hard enough life that I live with my wife and my kids and I, I strive for privacy and I kind of feel like social media gets in the way of that. For me, hey, I'm only speaking on my own behalf. So, but uh, if you meet me out on the streets, you know, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Nice, nice. Well, you, you are the, the like, the most nice guy I've ever met so far. So, uh, you know, wow. I, I love you like a brother, and uh, I, we thank you very much for coming on the show. We would love to hey, have you again. It's been a great interview. You've asked some really cool and different questions, and uh, I applaud you for that. And um, thanks for the support, you know, through the years and for the current support. And, uh, you know, have a great week, and we'll see you on the road. Yes, sir. You too. Thank you very much. All right, bud. Bye, see bye. you later. Bye. Bye-bye.